0: what's good boys and girls welcome to the two-footed podcast on tuesday the 23rd of march we are brought to you by eplindex.com in association with our presenting sponsor liberty shield liberty shield is of course a vpn provider that's a virtual privacy network allows you to go online change your location access things like american netflix that you might not ordinarily be able to get hold of keep your data safe online and if you use EPL, VPN, you'll get 20% off at checkout at libertyshield.com. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. Right, folks, no games to talk about. Uh, we are now on the international break. England play Thursday against San Marino. Ireland, Wales, Scotland, etc., all to play as well. Uh, Not the most exciting of games lined up this week, it must be said. But, you know, something to sink your teeth into later in the week, if that is your bag. For now, though, it's just news. So we're going to go through the news, see what's new in the world of football and what we can chat about. Um, Arsenal have made a decision that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and Thomas Partey will not travel to Africa for the African Cup of Nations qualifiers. Obviously, the COVID restrictions, both South Africa and Angola are on the red list. So both players were due to play against those teams. Aubameyang against Angola, Partey against South Africa. Because they're on the red list, they would have had to quarantine for 10 days when returning to the UK. So Arsenal have made the decision that they can't go for those games. I think they're still going to play in the other games that the teams have, just not those ones. Uh, I think this is the right decision, and I, I kind of wish more clubs had been a bit more forceful. I'd, I, like I've said before, I think this international break is a farce. It's just so badly timed. And, you know, with, with vaccinations on the rise in countries that aren't Ireland, who are making a hames of it, by the way, I think just cancelling this international break, pushing those fixtures back, really could have been so beneficial instead we get players going everywhere and when they come back you know there's going to be a spike in cases among players there's probably going to end up in more Premier League games having to be postponed and it's just going to push the season back even further and you know it, it was going quite well we had had minimal disruption obviously Newcastle had some cases Villa had some cases those cause games to be delayed. I think Fulham as well. But by and large, everybody had, had done very, very well at managing the situation. This is just going to add to the risk. Uh, Stephen Gerrard has come out and said he believes Trent Alexander-Arnold is England's best right-back and should have been given more support by Gareth Southgate, who dropped him, obviously, from the England squad. I, I spoke with this last week. Utter nonsense from Southgate to suggest that it was based on form considering some of the players he picked. He picked Tyron Mings. He picked Sam Johnston. Laughable decisions. And Gerard is right. He, he should have been given more support. He should have been given, you know, an advanced warning. You're not going to be in this squad. But Southgate is not a good manager. We know that. He's in the job because he's a yes man and he's cheap. He won't rock the boat and that's what the FA want. Same reason they appointed Hodgson before him. That's why... Gareth Southgate has the job. If you look at his time at Middlesbrough, he's in no way qualified to be the manager of the English football team. He is a poor manager who got the job because he's a yes-man. Newcastle feared that Isaac Hayden could miss the remainder of the 2021 campaign with a knee injury, obviously involved in in sort of a very unfortunate incident with Yves Basima at the weekend where Basima slipped and fell and rolled over his knee uh it, it's a massive blow for Newcastle because i think Hayden is their best midfielder i think he's very very underrated and i mean newcastle things are not good there anyway uh there was a story yesterday that of the nine days off that the that teams have between now and games that would have normally been work days uh newcastle are giving five or six of them as actual days off where the players won't have training or anything uh, apparently the The players are not surprised by this, but are annoyed by it because they they feel they should be working. Um, Hayden is one who I would imagine is likely to play for Jamaica. He is eligible to play for both England and Jamaica. He's an English father, a Jamaican mother. But he's unlikely to get called up for England, which, I mean, it's a bit of a shame because if you look around, England don't have a massive amount of high-quality midfielders. But as defensive midfielders, Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips will be ahead of him. So I do think he might look at playing for Jamaica. Obviously, there's been a number of players switching their allegiance that way. In recent weeks, Um Mikel Antonio, probably the most high-profile of them. There's been rumors of other players looking to do the same. But if Hayden does it, it would be a big, big boost. Um for Jamaica Who've got a decent squad But nothing that you're really going to get Overly excited about But if they could keep adding players like him To the likes of Antonio, Bobby de Cordova-Reed uh, Leon Bailey's obviously the star of the show there Andre Gray has gone To play for Jamaica There are good players in that group And Hayden I think would be a, a big addition And it's probably an easier path To playing in World Cups and such as well So I think he's a very good player. I think it's a huge blow for Newcastle who, I mean, their form has been so poor. They really need players like him who will go out and have a scrap and try and get them results. Uh, Too many players in that squad just meandering through the season. He's one that doesn't allow that to happen. Um, Next up then, Salford City have parted company with manager Richie Wellens. That's the second manager this season that they've sacked. They have appointed Gary Bowyer. Not exactly the most inspiring of choices. Um, He's managed Blackburn, Blackpool, and Bradford with a 35% win record over 294 games. Now, he did get Blackpool promoted out of League Two, which is where Salford currently live. So, from that respect you could look at it and say, okay, that makes sense. But he did also get them relegated back down into League Two, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's an uninspiring decision. Neville has Gary Neville is obviously one of the owners of Salford City. He's spoken in the past about how managers need time, and you can't really judge a manager unless they have a couple of years in a job. But yet, They continue to to sack managers at Salford City. They've been through a lot of managers. And it's, it's getting to the point where you'd wonder, will they just appoint one of themselves? Will it be a case where either Scholes or... I don't think Neville would do it because of the disaster he had at Valencia. But Scholes has taken the job previously on a um, caretaker basis. He managed five games earlier this season. If Ryan Giggs was to leave the Welsh job, maybe he would take it. Uh, Phil Neville's the best manager of that class of 92 of of the group that owned the club. But obviously he's just taken the Inter-Miami job. Beckham has no interest in management. Scholes might be the one who makes the most sense for them. But then what happens if he does badly? I mean, it would be very awkward if they had to sack one of themselves. It's a strange situation where Neville is saying one thing with regards to his job. And then in his business that he runs acting a completely different way, it's quite hypocritical. And it's not like Salford were having a bad season. Like, that's worth pointing out. Salford were having a solid enough season. At the moment, they sit ninth in the league. They had lost two of their last three, and they hadn't won in four. I think it's only one win in the last eight games. But at the same time, they are only six points off the playoffs with a game in hand on Newport. So it's not like the season was going disastrously badly. Last season, they finished 11th. So this season had been a little bit of progress. They're obviously very ambition, a- ambitious. They really want to do well. Their home record has been great. They haven't lost at home this season. They've lost 10 times away. That seems like something that might be more on the players than the manager. Um, they have by far the biggest wage bill in League Two. Uh, they have no problem paying wages and, and overpaying for players in, in that division. They've got some quality players there. I mean, George Boyd has played Premier League football. He's a very talented player in, you know, Peterborough, Nottingham Forest, Hull, Burnley, Sheffield Wednesday. He's been around. He's done a lot. Um, he's a Scottish international. And like he's there. You know, I know he's 35, but they're, they're not paying him League Two wages. He's getting decent money. Ian Henderson's another player that's played a bit higher. So they don't have any, any shyness in terms of paying wages. And you'd wonder if maybe, if it's not a thing where they appoint one of themselves, where they maybe the next manager they go for is somebody that otherwise you wouldn't have expected them to get. Like maybe they, no, not to say a Premier League caliber manager, but maybe they reach up into the championship and pull a manager from there. In the same way that Leeds appointed Bielsa when they're in the championship. Maybe Salford do a similar thing, where they reach up and get a manager that probably should be out of their reach, but they'll they'll overpay him to drop down and build something and actually look to put something in place for the long term. They clearly do have big ambitions for the club, but the plan doesn't seem to be... Very well laid out, as things stand anyway. Um The WSL, that is the Women's Soccer League, have announced a landmark TV deal with both BBC and Sky. So it's a three-year deal to broadcast, oh, sorry, Women's Super League. That's my mistake. Women's Super League um, from the 2021-22 season. BBC will broadcast 22 games live with a minimum of 18 to be shown on either BBC One or BBC Two and Sky will show up to 44 games with a minimum of 35 shown on between Sky Sports Football, Premier League or main event channels. Matches not selected for broadcast will be shown live on the FA player. This is massive news and this is brilliant news. Finally, there's going to be a real injection of big-time money into women's football in the UK. And you, you often hear stories about the, you know, the differences in how female players are treated and the facilities that, that are made available to them in comparison to their, their male uh, counterparts. Like, for example, Liverpool, the women's team don't train at the same training ground. As the men, they train at, to call them second-rate facilities would be to do them a massive favour because they're awful. Um, It's been an issue that has been widely covered. And when I say widely covered, widely covered among the Liverpool community, hasn't been nationally covered. And I suppose for every other club, it's probably largely along the same thing. But $7 a year for three seasons is definitely going to be A big boost. 75% of the money will go to those in the top flight, and then 25% will be filtered down into the, the second division, the championship. And the FA are hoping to make a significant investment in refereeing in April as well to up the standard of that, which, again, huge. The new deal will make the WSL the most watched women's sports league in the world. Ahead of the WNBA, ahead of the National Women's Soccer League, which is the American version. Both of them peak at about 100,000 viewers each week. They're hoping that this deal will mean much bigger figures for the women. And and that's absolutely brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant that that's going to happen. Um, There's a bit more to come on that as well. I'll get back to that. Um... I, I just, I'm, I'm really excited about this. I think it's great. I really do. I think the more investment we see, the higher the standard of football will be. And the higher the standard of football will be, the more the women are going to get paid. And it's actually going to be, you know, they're not going to have to play a full professional career and then go get a nine to five after they're done, which is the case for most of them. Now, most, professional women football players when they finish up will have to go and get a normal job because they won't have the opportunity to sustain a proper living after they play from their playing days. I saw something yesterday, Sue Bird, who's one of the all time great women's basketball players has played the same amount of years in the WNBA as LeBron James has played in the NBA They've both won four titles. Sue Bird makes about 300 grand a year and LeBron James makes about 30 million a year. She's made some of about five to six million in career earnings and then a bit more from endorsements. He's made close to 500 million between basketball and endorsements. It could even be more. It just shows what an incredible disparity there is. And, like, I'm not calling for parity parity at all. I'm not saying that they should be paid the same or anything like that. But the gap should not be as big as it is. It really shouldn't. And a lot of it is the fault of broadcasters not getting enough eyeballs on the sport. And simple as that. There needs to be more eyeballs put on the sport. And when there is, I think we will see. More and more interest in the sport. And I think we'll see more and more investment in the sport as well. And again, that can only benefit the players. That can only benefit people um, who, you know, maybe want to see it as a path into coaching, analytics, things like that. It's it's going to benefit the wider footballing community as well. Um, the Athletic are reporting that the FA was offered the option of a four-year deal, but felt it had an even, it would have an even stronger hand, particularly considering the financial impact of the pandemic for further negotiations after three years. Sky's offer of dedicated programs and time slots favor, favorable for younger viewers. Match slots, which will include Saturday at 11.30, Sunday at 12.30, Friday and Sunday at 6.30. That's the type of thing that clinched this deal for them. Uh, Media rights management company, women's sports group run by former FA director Dame Heather Rabbits and the media executive David Kogan, uh, who was the Premier League chief media rights advisor from 98 to 2015 when football really exploded, uh, advised the governing body on how to package the deal correctly for the maximum sale. So they did go and get the best people that they could involve to guide them on how to sell their rights. Uh, Clubs will receive a guaranteed share of the TV revenue. So it's going to be split. The teams will get an even share, and then there will be prize money basically on what position you finish in the league table. It's not going to be based on how many games are shown live, which is good because that's a popularity contest more than anything. It's going to be based on where you finish. So it's a rewarding success. Which is important, um, yeah. I, I think this is. I think this is a great deal. I'd really do. Um, Arsenal <laughs> were confused when the police arrived at their training ground when they arrived home from Greece after beating Benfica in the Europa League. Apparently, um, the police were there obviously just to make sure that they were. Uh, partaking in the test to release scheme because having re-entered the country that is the guidelines for um for athletes elite sports people I think is the term that they use for them it's either you quarantine for 10 days or test 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 negative on the 5th day so that's basically why the police turned up to make sure that they were doing that uh by all accounts everybody passed everything was fine um it's a 10,000 Pound fine If you do not Comply with the rules Now to football club That's you know it's pennies But still 10 grand For that when you see You see government officials Continually breaking their own rules Um It's absolutely mad they started showing up At their houses and everything it wasn't just a training ground They were at their houses Um Arsenal are believed to be the only Premier League club to have been subjected to such rigorous checks following matches abroad with staff at other clubs involved in European competition, Liverpool, Man City, Man United, Chelsea and Tottenham, unaware of similar action. My guess is because they were in Greece and um, I think that's probably the main reason. Um, Tottenham missing the Champions League could have a bad knock-on effect for Southampton Saints were due to get two million in add-ons if Spurs made the Champions League as part of the Pierre-Emile Heusberg deal last summer. Uh Heusberg was basically swapped for Kyle Walker Peters and a small amount of money, you'll remember. But Spurs currently sixth, three points off the top four, but not playing very well out of Europa. Uh don't obviously get a Champions League spot for winning the League Cup. They're out of the FA Cup. So the Champions League is the, their last chance, or the, the League is their last chance of getting into next season's Champions League. And it doesn't look likely based on current events, based on recent form. It uh, really doesn't look likely. So a little bit of a blow. I mean, it's a blow for Saints. two million's not going to make a whole bunch of difference either way to a Premier League club it's pittance to a Premier League club. You know, Ralph Hasenhutl's not going to go out and find a player worth starting in his team for two million quid. But still, that kind of add-on is important in a transfer deal because you can fiddle your books and make sure it looks like you're, you're doing better than you are. It also just means that you don't feel as bad about the transfer because as good as Walker Peters has been for Saints, Heusberg has been on a completely different level For Spurs And at the moment it looks very much like Spurs stolen um, Two other clubs getting a bit of a windfall Will be Brentford and Exeter Now not a big deal for Brentford But for Exeter this could be huge They will share 1 million If Ollie Watkins wins an England cap Obviously he's been called up To the England squad for the games Against San Marino, Albania and Poland You would expect that he will at some point, get uh some minutes on the pitch in those games. so Villa paid twenty eight million plus a potential five million in add-ons when they signed Watkins from Brentford. Brentford stand to receive five million for each cap Watkins wins up to a small number, probably three. as with the initial transfer, fifteen percent of everything Brentford earned. From Villa must be diverted to Exeter. So Exeter got one point eight million plus fifteen percent of all future transfer fees. They that's massive for them. So they got a huge chunk obviously when he went to Villa, and they'll get more when he plays for England. That's hundred and fifty thousand pounds sterling per cap. For whatever amount. Uh, For a League 2 team, that is going to be massive. That's a nice big influx of cash. Most League 2 teams lose money. I assume Exeter is the same. Uh, Obviously, Exeter unfortunate enough to play in the same city as the best rugby team in Europe at the moment, the Exeter Chiefs. So, a little bit in the shadow there. So, any kind of input and financial boost that they can get will be uh, very, very important. Among other bonuses negotiated by Brentford was related to Villa avoiding relegation from the top flight. They're currently 10th and already have the magical 41 points with 10 games to go. So they'll get another 850,000 on top of the 28 million and the 850,000 they'll get from his cap and Exeter will get another 150,000. That's really, really good. Exeter did very, very well out of that. If they got 15%, Of the 28 million. That's 2.7 million. If I'm not mistaken. No it's not. That's wrong. It's 4.2 million. Is it not? My maths is not particularly. Good at this point of a day. But let me have a look. Um, Yeah 4.2 million. On top of the 1.8 million they got for him when they sold him and the extra 300 grand they're about to pick up in the next little while. That means they've made over 6 million on Ollie Watkins. See, that's what more lower league clubs need to be doing. When you're selling a player on, make sure you include sell-on clauses. It's absolutely vital that you get sell-on clauses included because the fee you'll sell for won't be a patch on what the next club will sell for if the player develops. Um, The more information continues to come out on the football index crash. By all accounts, it does not look very good at all for the people who are behind football index. A leaked document has revealed that the Gambling Commission was was warned as early as January 2020 that football index boasted that just 2% of users lost money, suggesting a pyramid scheme type model. The links between Football Index and the, sorry, some of Britain's uh, most senior gambling figures uh, do not look particularly good for anybody, especially as they were presenting themselves as the stock market for footballers when, you know, in actuality, it was pure gambling. Uh, Their allowance of people to cash out instantly um, was sustaining the bubble and pumping it up to unrealistic levels. And unfortunately, because of how they marketed themselves, they weren't being honest with customers about what they were. Now, obviously, they were licensed by gambling commissions, but Joe Soap is not going to know that on the street. They were presenting themselves as a stock market. And people have lost thousands and thousands of pounds. And, you know, with the administration now, I think 15% is all they will have to pay back basically. So if you had 10 grand in, you'll be lucky to get a hundred, you'll be lucky to get 1500 back. That's really not ideal. There's a tweet here from adam cole who i believe is the founder of football index uh busy day this is from 2018 busy day at football index i've just met with nasdaq to discuss beefing up beefing up our trading software with their technology absolute shameless shameless that man disappeared off twitter there a few months back as well uh there's going to be a massive, massive inquiry into this. And it will be no surprise if Adam Cole finds himself in quite a substantial amount of trouble. Last thing, and then we're going to take a quick break. For those that haven't seen it, the BBC are currently running a three-part documentary. It aired... Monday night, tonight, and we will air tomorrow night. Uh, it's called Football's Darkest Secret, and it is uh, a look into the stories of those that were abused uh, in the academies and, and such over the years through the 70s and 80s. Uh, massive credit, I think, has to go to Daniel Taylor, who was the kind of driving force in journalism behind exposing what had happened uh, being somebody that the players could come forward and talk to and tell their stories through. Um, I, I think Daniel deserves enormous credit for this. He's to, to my money, he's the finest journalist in the UK, and um, I think he deserves huge credit. I haven't watched episode one. I'm going to wait for the three of them to air, and then I will watch it. But by all accounts, a very, very tough watch, but very, very worthwhile. Uh, We'll take a break, and then we'll be back. Right, we're back. Um, Hope you enjoyed those lovely ads. Um, Big debate stemming from a podcast last night, I believe it was, with Rory Smith, Mika Richards, and Chris Sutton. On 5 Live talking about the England squad. And Micka Richards adamant that Jack Grealish must play. Um, Chris Sutton disagreed with him. And I I think I have to agree with Chris Sutton. So Micka Richards comes out and says, Villa without Grealish are a good team. With him, they're exceptional. Exceptional. They were ninth when he was in the team. They're 10th without him. They're not exceptional. They've never been exceptional uh, with him in the team. Um, He says you need Grealish to help Kane get the goals. It's a bizarre claim. He says that if you do your homework, Southgate says he's picking people on form. If you look at the stats, Grealish has created more than double the amount of chances of anybody else. And that is true. He has. He also has far more of the ball than anybody else because everything at Villa gets funneled through him. He's not going to have that in England. And if he does, teams will just man-mark him and take him out of the game. And he won't find it as easy to come across cheap free kicks in international football as he will in the Premier League. You also need to factor in that if England are playing a front three, Kane is the nine, the two next best players are Sterling and Sancho. And then Rashford. And then Grealish. People have said, oh, play him in midfield. He's not a good midfielder. When Villa played him in midfield last season, it was a disaster. And their form with him in midfield would have seen them relegated with Sheffield United-level points. Grealish can't play in midfield at the highest level. That's why he gets shunted to the left-hand side. He could maybe play as a 10 if you played 4-2-3-1, but Southgate doesn't do that. You could play Grealish behind um, Kane with Sterling one side, Sancho the other, and get the four of them on the field, but then you're still leaving out Marcus Rashford, who's more deserving of a spot in the team than Jack Grealish. And ideally, if you're playing four, you would play... Kane and Rashford through the middle as a two, Sterling on the right, Sancho on the left, or Sancho on the right, Sterling on the left, whichever you prefer. That might get more out of them. But this idea that Grealish has to be in the team is absolute nonsense. He had a good first half of the season, then his form dipped, then he got injured. So what would he be in the squad on the basis of? If it's based on form, he doesn't get in. He's not playing well at the moment, and he's injured. So, look as good as he is, there's also the Phil Foden factor. Foden is having an incredible season. Is much younger than Grealish. Has a much higher ceiling than Grealish. His ch- Grealish's chances created per game are actually not double anybody else's. I mean. Sancho's are quite close. Mason Mount has decent numbers. I think Mason Mount's best option for England is in central midfield. Um, I think Mount and Rice is probably the, the long-term pairing. Uh, if you're going to play 4-3-3, Henderson will start for now, uh, Once, well, assuming he's fit. So you go Henderson, Rice, and Mount. But there's no spot up front for, for Grealish. There just isn't. Not in a 4 3 3, not in a 3 4 3. Unless they play 4 2 3 1, there isn't a spot for Jack Grealish. And even in that number 10 role, Phil Foden is definitely just as worthy and maybe more so given his, his ability and, and how he's playing this season. James Madison has been much better. Well, he's injured as well, obviously, but he was in much better form leading into his injury than Grealish was. So, I I just don't see how anybody can demand he would come into the team. There will be situations where you definitely play him. you play bad teams, you can definitely play him. If you play teams that are going to park the bus, you play him then. But against good teams, no, absolutely not. Um, England have some great options. But Jaden Sancho needs to be starting every game he's fit for because he's absolutely sensational. Raheem Sterling needs to be starting every game. He's one of the best players in the Premier League. He's one of the best players in Europe. And you've also got to factor in the likes of Saka, Harvey Barnes. I don't know if he'll ever get back to his best level, but Delhi Ali, if he was fully fit and back at his best, he would be in the mix and he offers. More than Grealish, in my view. So, I think this. I think Grealish is a good player. I think he's also very overrated. Very overrated. He does create a lot of chances. We will not take that against uh, take that away from him. But he floats through games, and he offers nothing for large spells. He's he's the player. Mesut Osel has been pillared for being. Grealish does most of the same things Ozil does, except he's not as good as Ozil. And yet, this love affair that he has taken over on his behalf when Ozil was absolutely abused. Now, maybe it's because Grealish plays for Plucky Aston Villa and came through their academy, whereas Ozil was a big money signing for Arsenal. But it's a strange one. I really don't understand why... Grealish does Ozil things, including his off-ball work. And yet, Ozil was absolutely abused by the British press, football fans in general. And there's this love affair around Jack Grealish, the analytical darling. Um, We're going to finish up with a quick bit of gossip. But before we do, Oli Gunnar Solcher has found himself in a little bit of trouble among uh, certain members of the press who've taken umbrage. With his statements that you know winning trophies is just about ego and things like that, and he's been reminded by a number of people that you know Manchester United is about winning trophies, and Ollie's still yet to win one, and he's now out of the FA Cup, out of the League Cup, obviously won't win the Premier League, and the Europa League is his only chance at silverware this season, so he needs to get it right. Um, Southampton striker Danny Ings could be a target for Manchester City as a potential successor to Sergio Aguero, and Liverpool could benefit if Southampton do sellings as they inserted 20% sell-on clause in the deal when they sold him to the Saints. Now, two things. I believe he has a year left on his contract after this season, which means his value is not going to be great. He's also extremely injury-prone, and he's 28. You're not going to get massive money for him. He'll be 29 this summer. Turns 29 in July. I don't see Man City spending big money on a 29-year-old with his injury record. And only one very good season under his belt. A couple of decent ones, but only one very good season. I don't think City touch him. I don't think he's a top-four player. I think that's just media nonsense being made up. Because... Obviously, he's turned down contracts there so far. And City, everybody knows they want a striker. I think it's just two plus two. It's also coming from Sky Sports. Let's be fair. Sky Sports sources are Twitter. Um, Manchester United cut off for 23 year old Donny van de Beek as a make weight in potential dealings this summer. I said it when they signed him. It was a signing for the sake of a signing. They signed somebody in the hope that it would pacify the fan base after they'd messed up their summer. They never had any intention of keeping him. Now, I don't know where he would go as a make weight. I mean, Dortmund aren't going to take him because they couldn't afford his wages, and I don't think he would be agreeable to that move either. So, if they wanted Sancho, he's out of that deal. Um, and he's definitely not. They're not going to take him for Haaland either. Like, I don't know who United want this summer. I would have thought like Declan Rice would have made a lot of sense for them. Um, they've been linked with Ben White. I don't think Donny Beek is going to West Ham or uh, Brighton. They wouldn't need him for the, the Ben White deal. I think that would be, you know, a bit redundant because value wise, they're probably about the same. Um, but Declan Rice would make a lot of sense to them. But I don't see Donny Beek being in a rush to go to West Ham. Uh, Newcastle boss Steve Bruce is to give players six days off. Six days off over the next interna- of this international break. They were only due to work nine of them, and he's given them six of those off. Absolutely fantastic. Um, I don't know how they stick with him. I, I if he is still the manager, when we come out of this international break, that is Newcastle accepting relegation. That's what that is. They are accepting relegation. Zambia Ford, Patson Daka, who scored twenty goals in eighteen games at RB Salzburg this season, is attracting interest from Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool and Arsenal. Yeah, and not surprising. I mean, he's very, very good in front of goal. I think he needs a move to an in-between team. And if I was Southampton selling Ings, I would turn around and buy Pats and Daka. If I was Fulham and I stayed up this summer, I would buy Pats and Daka. If I was Brighton, I would buy Pats and Daka. That's the level, I think, of club that should be in for him now, because I think he needs to go somewhere where he's going to play every game. He's 22. I don't think he can afford to go and sit on the bench at United or City or Liverpool or Arsenal and hope that... Now he might start for Arsenal, in fairness, if if uh, Lacazette were to leave. But, you know, he, I don't think he can afford to go to Liverpool, City or United and sit on the bench. I think that will, will ruin his development. Um Wolves have set their sights on Ar- on Sevilla's Argentine winger Lucas Ocampos for less than his 62 million release clause. There's rumors that a couple of Premier League clubs have interest in Lucas Ocampos. He's a very very good player, uh but his contract runs to 2024. So I'm not sure why Sevilla would take less than his buyout clause. Now, they might take a bit less, but I don't think it will be a massive reduction. I think they'll be very keen to get as much as possible and uh, with respect, I don't see Wolves paying £50 for him, which is the type of fee I think you'd have to pay for him. Um, Arsenal believe that Martin Odegaard may be open to staying with them beyond the end of this season. Whether it will be a loan or a permanent deal, I don't know. But I think they should try and keep him. I think Odegaard has been really good since joining. I think he's a very, very talented player. Rumors are that his future at Real Madrid depends on Zidane. If Zidane stays, he won't go back. If Zidane leaves, he'd be open to returning to Real. Uh, I think he'd be better off staying in the Premier League. I I think the Premier League suits him better anyway. Brazilian defender Thiago Silva is set to extend his contract with Chelsea. Buy another year. There's an, a year option in the deal anyway. So that's just fluff and bluster. Turkish side Galatasaray have offered Crystal Palace's 30-year-old defender Patrick Van Anhold the chance to join them next season. If I was Patrick Van Anhold, I think I would probably jump at that deal. Um, he's he's a good player. He's much better going forward than defensively. And he's one of the new oh, the Palace players that I think they should be trying to keep. Looking through their squad, I don't really see that they've got Marcelo Saracci, uh, a left-back, Uruguayan left-back, on loan from RB Leipzig. He played 14 times last season, 13 this season, so he's fairly regular. I'm not sure who their starting left-back is. Um, is it? No, it's not. Um. I think Patrick van Aanholt is is worthy of of playing for a good team and playing in the Champions League, or at least the Europa League. So, yeah, if I was him, I would probably jump at that and and head on because got some really good players there. I mean, Falco is there. Arda Turan is there. You know, these are the past the best. Muslary is there. Ryan Babel. They've got some good players in on loan. There's a lot of talent in the squad. I don't know how they're doing in the Turkish league this year. They're second, second in the league. Only only three points behind Besiktas now. Besiktas do have a game in hand. But they're in line to qualify for the Champions League. If I was Patrick van Anhold, I'd be packing my bags now. AC Milan have reportedly joined Tottenham in the race to sign Fiorentina striker Dusan Vlahovic uh, this summer. He is very, very talented. There will be a lot of clubs in for him. Uh, Obviously, AC would want him as sort of the Zlatan successor. Looks like Zlatan will stay another year, so we would have a year to learn from him. With Spurs, I assume it's you know the the plan could be well could well be to sell Kane, uh, or that Kane may want out if they don't make the Champions League. Um, good player, whoever gets him will be getting a, a quality striker. France Ford Rafa Varane says he would like to join Paris Saint Germain. Oh no, sorry, he said he would like to be joined by Paris Saint Germain striker. Killing Mbappe at Real Madrid, a player he considers to be one of the best in the world. So he's trying to get Mbappe to Madrid. I think if you want to play with him, you may have to go to PSG, Mr. Varane. Your club are broke. Aston Villa planned to listen to offers in the summer for 24-year-old Ford Wesley. Now, Wesley hasn't played a game of football in 15 or 16 months now. Um, so... I, mean, I don't know what offers there will be. I can't imagine there'll be many clubs who'll be in from He got they paid twenty two million for him in the summer of two thousand nineteen. He got hurt on the first of January against Burnley. It's now the twenty third of March a year later, so it's fourteen months coming up on that he hasn't kicked a ball. Um, I really don't think they're going to get any offers for him. I think if they want to move him on, they might have to send him on loan. I really don't see that anyone would pay money for him. I think you'd be mental to pay money for him. Coming back off that type of ACL where he's been out that long, I think you'd have to be absolutely insane. To pay money for him at this point. Didn't Tom Heaton get hurt in that same game? He did. Two ACLs in one game for that team. That's I haven't seen that happen before. That has to be a first. Um Adam Armstrong is being pursued by his former club Newcastle, who are keen to bring the striker back to St. James's Park. From Blackburn, Adam Armstrong's very, very good Said before, Newcastle were stupid to let him go Stupid to let Ivan Tony go Should have been loaning them out and trying to develop them that way If they weren't going to play them themselves Now they'll have to spend a fortune Now I'm not sure what Armstrong's contract situation is But Blackburn will want big, big money for him I, I can see Blackburn wanting somewhere in the region of 20. Now he is at a contract next summer 2022 so that will affect his value if not I think Blackburn would have been looking for someone in the region of 20 million for him 19 goals and 3 assists this season in the championship in 33 games he's been in great form 20 and 3 in all competitions I think they'd have been looking 20 million for him um, there will be a bunch of clubs interested in him again if, if Danny Ings replacement if Ings leaves Southampton very very good player um, he's developed really, really well there at at Blackburn. Inter Milan are considering a move. Excuse me, considering a move for Divock Origi to bolster their attacking lineup. Bolster. Uh, I love Divok and and always have a place in my heart for what he did in two thousand nineteen. But you don't bring in Divok to bolster things if you're a top team, because uh, he's not very good. So I would have great doubts that that Inter Milan have any interest in Divock Origi. I also saw a story that Liverpool were keen to bring Aaron Ramsey back to the Premier League. Let me just address that and say no, they're not. Uh, There's absolutely no chance Liverpool would even consider Aaron Ramsey. And Leon midfielder Hasim Awar is nearing a move to Juventus in the summer, allegedly. That would be a great signing. A great, great signing. For Juventus, he is a quality player who will benefit any side that signs him uh that is it then that is the gossip. that is all the news for today. um yeah, nothing much to talk about at the moment we'll be uh we'll do some news tomorrow. We'll have Twitter questions on on Thursday. We'll probably do the international games and such just to have some something to talk about. but um, yeah, enjoy the rest of your day. uh take care of yourselves, stay safe. Thank you to Guy. Thank you to Foxhorn. Thank you to you. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. network.